Good afternoon, everybody. I, too, uh, want to offer my condolences to the family and friends uh, who are mourning the loss of another individual uh, who lived at, at Northwood. We now have 56 Nova Scotians who have died due to COVID-19. Uh, today, I'm reporting one new case of COVID-19, which brings the total number of confirmed cases in Nova Scotia to 1,044. The one new case we're reporting today is a resident at Northwood. Yesterday, the QE2 lab, uh, lab processed 384 uh, tests, and we currently have a total of nine individuals in hospital. Five of them are in the ICU. Uh, 956 Nova Scotians can now be considered to have recovered from COVID-19, and we've had a total of uh, 36,438 people who have been tested but have negative results. We have two uh, licensed long-term care homes or unlicensed seniors facilities with active cases of COVID-19. Uh, one of them is the Northwood in their Halifax campus, which has now uh, 19 residents and seven staff with active cases. So uh, that, the number of active cases at Northwood continues to go down, which is good news. One other facility has a single resident who is considered still an active case. While we're coming out, uh, we're clearly at the coming to the end of the first wave. It's important that we still have ongoing uh, surveillance, and um, it's important that anybody who might who has symptoms that could be COVID, that they we, we still need to test people. Uh, so again, uh, we need anybody who has uh, two or more of the following symptoms: uh, fever or feeling feverish, uh, uh, headache a sore throat, uh, runny nose, uh, a new or, or, or worsening cough. If you have two or more of those, please contact 811 eight, online if possible, if not calling them to do a further assessment. Since we were, la we were last uh, here on Friday, we have had 10 new cases over the long weekend of COVID-19, three on Saturday, uh, three and more on Sunday, and uh, three on um, uh, Monday, and one more today. All of these 10 cases were in central zone. Uh, and while we're still continuing to do the contact tracing, um, uh, our information so far is five of those 10 were, were cases of residents or staff at Northwood. Another three were contacts of a known case, so we know where they were likely exposed. Uh, and additional cases is travel related. Uh, the low case numbers over the weekend, it really is good news and it continues to be encouraging of how we see the epidemiology uh, evolving. Uh, it means that everything we've been doing, uh, knowing that what we saw over the weekend was what really impacted over the last week to two weeks of where, where people might have been exposed, everything we're doing is working to slow the spread of the virus. Uh, however, we still have to understand that of those 10 cases, one of them uh, would appear to be the result of community spread. So that means that we've, we've done our case follow-up uh, and we have not been able to identify a, a clear source. Uh, therefore, we have to conclude that the exposure must have been somewhere here in the community in Nova Scotia. I highlight this because it remains that while we're, uh, things are, are progressing and, and the picture is encouraging, that we need to continue to remain uh, vigilant. We're not completely out of the woods yet, uh, and we need to kind of continue with all our uh, measures around social distancing, hand washing, et cetera, um, uh, and, and pay attention to preventing COVID-19. On Friday and over the weekend, we shared information uh, to help guide uh, Nova Scotians in making more social connections as we loosened uh, some of our restrictions. 
This was an acknowledgement of the critical importance that a connecting with family and friends is so uh, so important for our for our mental health and and our and the cohesion and, and adherence of our of our communities. What everybody's been doing, staying home away from uh, others, uh, goes against all our human nature and our natural instinct. And I know how hard uh, that has been for people. On Friday after we spoke, I knew many people uh, identified their family household bubble and were able to reconnect, uh, whether it was siblings, grandparents, or close friends, uh, after two long months. For those who did not have family nearby, uh, or sorry, who do not have family nearby or do not wish to reconnect with family for, for other reasons, uh, the option was given in those cases that to connect with another household. Ultimately, uh, we're saying that uh, if connecting how you define which uh, family or an individual that you want to make a, a bubble with is ultimately a, uh, your choice. But it's important that you do that carefully. Um, that uh, no matter how you define the household or an individual that you bubble with, that it's important that, uh, that as you make those agreements that these are mutually exclusive, that there are, you're agreeing to connect with each other and not have to worry about social distancing, but anybody outside of that needs to maintain, uh, you need to maintain social distance with. Uh, this is important that uh, it, it, this is a first step. Recognize that it doesn't address every individual situation uh, and that some people are still feeling uh, frustrated that they haven't been given an opportunity. But we have to do this slowly and carefully. And so what we announced Friday uh, is a first step and will continue to move forward uh, in, in increasing opportunities for social connection, uh, but in a slow and careful way. I need to. Re I want to reiterate the, the kind of how to do making choices around who you bubble with or which household you bubble with uh, in a, in a safe manner. It's important to consider age, occupation, and health condition. Uh, again, uh, ask yourselves the three key questions: Is anybody in the in the households that you're thinking of getting together at higher risk for severe disease from COVID-19? Whether it's because of age, 65 or older, especially if they're elderly and have underlying health conditions, but there also may be people who are uh, younger than age 65 but have a significant chronic health condition or are immune suppressed that are at high, high risk as well. You also have to ask, uh, do any of the people that you're connecting with, uh, do they have, uh, through their occupation, uh, have free, frequent contact with the general public? Uh, or some other way, they're at higher risk of having ongoing exposure uh, to COVID-19. And the last piece is, even if you decide that you're going to get together as two households, that if any one person in those households is, is unwell and have symptoms that could be COVID-19, it's critically important that the households don't get together uh, until that individual has undergone the further assessment uh, through 811 and testing if necessary. It's important that the underlying health status is, is, is critically important, uh, that as you make these choices, because there, we know that people are, are, can be at significant risk for severe disease because of their underlying health. It's important that we make choices that as we make these choices that we're not allowing uh, conditions for the virus to spread, especially to those who are who are at higher risk. I also want to clarify that even though we've we were Friday, we were talking about allowing opportunities in a limited way for, for small groups of people uh, to get together uh, without having to worry about social distancing, that we also have lots of opportunities for, for people who, are, who uh, can get together uh, in-person social uh, interaction uh, while 
while you're still respecting social distancing. So it's certainly okay to have planned social gatherings uh, uh, with with friends, uh, with your neighbors. But, it, the, but you need to do that in a way that maintains social distancing and you can have up to five people um, at, at this point in time. We need to, we need to make sure that we're uh, doing these kind of, uh, having these planned social activities in limited numbers uh, and keeping the social distancing, not giving the virus a chance uh, to spread. If you're having these uh, planned social gatherings in small numbers, outside is always better than inside. Uh, sitting in your driveway or in your backyard. Uh, you can do that again as long as you're maintaining the social distancing. No hugs, no no handshakes, uh, and it's important that that if if people are using this as an opportunity to uh, have food and beverage, that everybody should bring their own. Don't share food, don't share utensils uh, or, or, or anything else. Uh, and we really ask people to uh, respect and, and and think carefully about careful hand washing as well uh, before they get together. It's the same advice we give as we've opened up outdoor activities so people can still do a broad range of, of outdoor activities within your household or your household bubble. You can be close together, but anybody else who's outside of that, you need to maintain the, the social distancing in that range of outdoor activities, whether it's parks, trails, some of the activities we opened up on Friday, sailing, paddling, golf, tennis. Uh, respecting social distance is critically important. Um, it's that 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 so that six feet is really important because it's it's that if you're six feet apart, you the virus cannot spread from one person to another. So that's why we emphasize so much of respecting that that social distancing. Uh, the only way we can continue to uh, loosen uh, the restrictions uh, is if our ongoing we have ongoing commitment to these public health requirements, and that's because that's what's going to allow us to keep our, our case numbers continuing to be low and advance in opening up uh, our society and op opening up the economy, as the Premier uh, has outlined. I, I, I understand that uh, it's been two long months and people are, are anxious to get together, but we're asking everybody to be just be slow and careful and be cautious. And if we all work together, we will get there over time. Thank you.